ECU? Do you breathe purple and gold? Are you ready to hoist the colors? Now, time for the most in-depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 94.3thegame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo. Welcome in to this edition of Hoist the Colors. It is Friday, November 3rd. We are 24 hours away or so, I guess 27 and a half, if you're listening live, to East Carolina and Tulane, the ranked green wave rolling into town to take on the Pirates of East Carolina. You still looking for its first FBS win, its first American Athletic Conference win. The Pirates are hoping to break a four-game losing streak and spoil two lanes potential bid to return to a major bowl game they currently are the highest ranked non-power five team in the first college football playoffs so we will preview that game here today we'll make our predictions every friday we make our game picks when joe sampson doesn't have family obligations which this friday he does not so he is with us today on the show as is philip pilkington and we will make our game picks here shortly and also preview east carolina tulane Joe, how's it going? Hey, living the dream, man. Just just living the dream. Living the dream, living the dream. I tell you, if we were really living the dream, East Carolina would not be 1-7 right now. Well, I mean, pick and choose your battles. The New York Jets are in the playoff hunt, like the legitimate playoff hunt. I mean, I, I can't say anymore. The Houston Astros lost to the eventual world champions in the Rangers that knocked them off. I mean, I'm, I'm elated. I'm okay. It's always good when the Astros lose. It does kind of stink when the Rangers win as a Seattle Mariners fan because I've yeah, now had to deal with both division division rivals winning the past two years. That's not very fun, but and, hey, you deal with it. Uh, well, now you're also one of only four teams to never win a championship. Yeah, don't remind me. Don't <laughs> remind me of that either. Uh, and they are the only team that has never made the World Series in Major League Baseball. So... It's tough. It's tough being a Mariners fan. But, hey, it'll make it that much more sweeter when they get there. Uh, (laughs) Philip Pilkington, he's in the studio. Philip, do you have the camera set up today, or are you just rolling audio only? No, sorry. I'm rolling audio only. I had too much going on this morning. Didn't have time to – it's actually, like, takes a little time to move that thing in here. You wouldn't think it does, but i got to unplug and replug a lot of wires. So, You're just I an apologize. excuse maker, Philip. Yep. It's okay. Hey, you know, I'm an excuse I mean, maker, admit, which is bad. Joe over here is making like mid-50-year-old man reference. How you doing? Oh, I'm just living the dream. So I I'm go, you're just dream. stuck with two bums. They used to just say my middle age was like 45, so. There you go. You spent all night watching Duke, and you were too tired to get up and <laughs> move the camera. Just a minute. Yeah, that's what it was. Blue Devils, baby. Barely beating a... Average Wake Forest team, so congrats on that, I guess. Hey, third-string quarterback, true freshman, never played before, not bad. Fair enough. They found a way to win. That's what matters. The Jets keep finding ways to win. That's what matters. We'll talk about that in later in the program. All right, guys, uh, we'll talk ECU Tulane. We're also going to get over some basketball notes. I do have a few things to reference as we start the show, especially in regards to a stat to consider so i was bored last night just chilling going to sleep and i was like you know what i want to look up a stat and i wanted to look up yards per play how much ecu has dropped off year over year 
last year against this is against FBS competition only. East Carolina averaged six point four yards per play in their eight and five season. That was tied for sixteenth nationally. That is a great statistic. This year, guys, we know the offense has taken a step back. This year, ECU is averaging 3.9 yards per play, which is ranking 132nd nationally. That is one spot above dead last. That is bad. That is basically where the total offense ranks. So you look at it year over year, guys, you've almost had a, what, a 50% drop-off in yards per play and that's a big root of the problem, no explosive plays. But when you hear those numbers, I mean, we see it every Saturday, but it's like sometimes you got to take a step back, Joe. When you hear that number, 6.4 to 3.9, that is a a major drop-off. Yeah, I mean, it hurts to even hear that, never mind to say it. But this is the same team that now is ranked sixth in CBS's bottom 25 of the worst teams in college football at 1-7, which – the new Big 12 Cincinnati Bearcats have now joined us in that top 25, or bottom 25, excuse me. But it's not a good place to be. And the only thing that can kind of lead to it is, is you look at the coaches that left, the personnel that left. You lost five NFL-caliber players, four of which are either on a roster right now or are in the process of kind of moving in and out of different things as far as roster manipulation. So Holt Naylor isn't signed right now, but he has been in the past. He could be next week. He could be the week after that. We don't know. But Keaton's on an active roster. I say Winstead's with the practice squad. And then, I mean, you look at Ryan Jones, he's on the practice squad for the Giants too. You lost huge caliber pieces, and you just haven't found a way to replicate that production. It's been tough. It's been tough. At least we did We did see a surge last week, guys. They averaged 4.4 yards per play against UTSA. If they could manage that over the last four games, they're going to have a shot to win some games that the defense can step up as well. All right, East Carolina and Tulane. 17-point favorites is the green wave. Are the green wave? I always get confused on these uh, singular possessive names, but whatever. Either way, Tulane is a 17-point favorite. They are ranked 21st. They've won six games in a row. This is going to be a tall task, but I don't know, guys. I, you know, honestly, I've got a I've got a feeling about this game, and maybe it's just my stomach's a little upset. Maybe I'm still not 100% recovered from last week's sickness, which I'm not. Still have I uh, still can barely hear out of one ear. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, my voice still comes and goes. Probably the worst sickness I've had in a while. So that could be impacting my brain. The oxygen oxygen may not be making it all the way through, and that could be impacting my thought process. But I just have a feeling East Carolina is going to have a shot to win this game, and I don't know why. I don't know why because on paper the matchup scares me because East Carolina ranks near the bottom of the country in yards, explosive plays allowed. Tulane ranks near the top of the country in explosive plays offensively, so that's kind of a bad matchup. A lot of that is predicated off the run game, play-action game, and that's where Tulane can bite you. We saw it last year in New Orleans. They hit some huge passing plays. So that worries me going into this game. And then Tulane's defense is stout up front. ECU's offense, bad up front, and not a great matchup. But I just have a feeling, Joe and Phillip. I don't know. Let's, let's go around the horn here. What are your feelings here as we sit here 27 hours out? Joe, we'll start with you. How are you feeling about this football game? Yeah, I don't know if it was something at the Halloween party or whatnot, but I'm drinking the Kool-Aid the same way you are because this is the most ECU 
possible scenario you could be in years past, not including the last two years that we've kind of been in these situations and we're expected to come out of it. We didn't know how Tulane was going to finish last year, obviously. So that's a different team when you go into Louisiana and you beat them or lose to them 13. Yeah, 30 to 13, I think was the final. This is an ECU game. You circle and you go, the Pirates have every chance to upset them because there's nobody more dangerous to play than a team that has nothing to lose. And the ECU Pirates this week have nothing to lose. And this is one of those games where I'd be like, the most ECU possible scenario is ECU wins this one by 13 and loses by 30 next week. So I'm with you. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah, there's a good possibility that the Pirates win this game, that they're definitely getting crushed at FAU. But uh, I think we'd all take it at this point, all right? I'd take beating a ranked team right now just to say you got an FBS win. <laughs> Heck. Philip, how are you feeling? Uh, with the heart they played with last week, I could see it happening because, you know, like you kind of brought it up early in the week I go that, like, this is their bowl game in a way. Um, you know, senior night, senior night. This is the only home game left other than senior night. And it's a ranked team. It's your chance to play spoilers because they want to get into a New Year's Six Bowl. Um, and this is, you know, where Air Force can move ahead of them even if they still won the conference. So I get that. So I could – would it surprise me? No. But am I, like, predicting it? No. I, I don't know, man. It's just – this like they've got to. They're, they're kind of remind me of Gonzaga in basketball in the NCAA tournament. It's yeah. like when you win, I will pick you to win. But until then, you've given me no reason to ever pick you to win. So I picked them to win against Rice. Picked them to win against Charlotte, Marshall. And here we are. We're zero and seven. You can call it one and seven, but when you haven't beat an FBS team, you're over. So. Yeah, if you get a second win, I will give you two and whatever. But right now you're 0 7. Just give me a reason to pick you, ECU. I know I sound depressed. I am tired. I am depressed. This is bad. <laughs> this Look, is East, bad East Carolina is, is 1 and 7. I mean, they're 0 7 against legitimate competition. So, I mean, the majority of people are going to be like you, Philip. Joe and I, we are still feeling the effects of Halloween. I mean, there's no doubt about that. We are. Uh, there was something special in the candy y'all were eating. There's no doubt. But hey, let's make it happen. Let's manifest this. Pirates are going to find a way to shock the world and uh, resurrect their season with what's left of it. Uh, because they obviously can't go to a bowl game, but they can try and salvage some of it. All right. So there's your football talk. We'll make our picks here shortly. I want to bring you some basketball notes. This up on ecupirates.com. Headline is get ready for 2023 East Carolina basketball. The season opens on Monday. The Pirates take on Ferrum. The men do inside Menji's Coliseum. Uh, and then we'll play Campbell on Saturday. That game time, heads up, has been changed to 2 o'clock. We've discussed a lot this week about that game was originally scheduled for 4, which was the same time as the game at FAU in football. That has since been rectified. The basketball game will now start at 2 o'clock. The football game will start on the road at 4 o'clock, so you can now watch, attend the men's basketball game, and then go home and watch the Pirates uh, win their second football game in a row over the FAU Owls as they continue to resurrect their season. But just want to bring you some notes here. East Carolina, it's been announced. So the women's basketball home opener 
will be Thursday, November 9th against USC Upstate. That is a 6 o'clock tip-off, but they will be unveiling a new banner. And anytime you're unveiling a banner, a championship banner, an NCAA tournament appearance banner, guys, it is worthy of being in attendance. So 6 o'clock will be the tip-off time for women's basketball against USC Upstate next Thursday. 5.30 will be the approximate time of the presentation, and the first 500 fans will receive replica championship banners so i'm gonna ask you guys how fired up are y'all for a banner reveal we'll start with joe i'm gonna sleep outside of minji's coliseum i need the replica banner i need to hang my own banner i mean this is this is a program that if i'm not incorrect was picked to finish either last or second to last in preseason rankings last year if i'm not incorrect i believe i'm correct am i right dead last dead last yep dead last and you came out and you ran the table, and you did what the underdog does, and you left nothing to be doubted and everything else. You played Texas, and obviously that's not what you want to hang your hat on at the end of the season, but you got to what you've been cooking for and working for, and Kim McNeil's done a great job at kind of building the culture of the program that we've known, but out of nowhere now nationally is getting some attention that this is one to watch and this is one that can make a run to try and get to another NCAA tournament appearance. So I think there's no better way than to start that and, and kind of set the tone by showing them what the goal is again, and that's to go back to the tournament on the first night. Are you going to be inside Menji's Coliseum, Philip? Are you going to be getting one of those 500 replica banners? No, we have the sub show. I can't. <laughs> I want to. Man. Yeah, but we're, we're going to be. I can't even be there. Yeah, we won't. You'll be able to leave sub dogs about 6 o'clock. I won't be able to leave till about 6.15. I will smuggle so, yeah. three banners out. Yeah, if you can get us Please some banners. Do. I will have to. Because I think I'm going to go to the game. It's just I'm going to be late. like, And that's not me like not wanting to be there on time. It's just we can't. We I'll call just... the connections for yeah. you, Philip. We'll okay. make it happen. Yeah. It'd be great. Thank you. <laughs> Look, I, I, I love the sub show. Uh, I'm loving what we're doing there. But I am extremely bummed out that we're not moving that back or up an hour just so I could be there for the banner reveal. So somebody better take video, Joe, and send me that and send me a replica banner so I can see a banner. There there are very few banners, guys, in Menji's Coliseum, and especially for ECU. There's plenty of banners about the opposing teams in the conference, which is all good and well, but we need more ECU championship banners in Menji's Coliseum, and this is going to be a significant one. So definitely be there if you can. All right, a few more notes on the basketball front. The DJ that they have at uh, Daddy Ficklin Stadium this year has gone well, so they're going to add a DJ. Not sure if it's the same one or not, but it says uh, on ecupirates.com, there will be a DJ station on the bottom of Section 109, which is the lower section, the student side, for basketball games this season, for all men's games, and then select women's basketball games as well. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes in the middle of the uh, the student section. There's also going to be more reserved seating for students. So this year they're adding the 422 purple seats behind the benches. The seats look great. Uh, I think they really add to the arena feel. Those are going to season ticket holders. Those have been sold out for the men's game, the women's games. There's a select amount remaining. And so that side will be the season ticket holders on the lower level. And then the other side, the other bleachers, Basically, everywhere else, the uh, the baselines and the other side will be select student seating, reserve student seating. And then if there's an overfill, 
that will go into the upper side of the Menji's Coliseum behind one of the goals. So if you're a student and you want to come to games this year, there's going to be plenty of seating. The band will still be down there as well. What do y'all think of the DJ being added? Do y'all think this could add to the atmosphere? Um, I don't really know how it's going to work, especially with them being in the middle of the student section, but it could create a pretty fun atmosphere, Joe. I, I'm very excited, and I'll be pleasantly surprised to see how it goes because my first thought in my mind comes in is that, okay, chants are always an issue to try and get started in Minji's. They have been for a while because people are kind of watching, doing their own thing. Does the DJ add or hurt to them trying to get that atmosphere going. And I don't know what the basketball rules are, because obviously it's expanded now with DJs and music and, and the bands and whatnot from what it used to be. When can you play? Can you play when the ball's coming up the court? Do you have to stop at a certain point? Can he like play in between plays? So I'm uninitiated, so I can't say or speak to that. Maybe our in-house referee can do that. Um, so I don't know what the rules are in that. So I wonder if that's going to be like its own factor. Cause obviously the band has to stop playing, but just the DJ, is that a rule that's written? But I'm excited to see how it plays out. I think it'll add to the atmosphere and Minji's already gets pretty loud when it's full. So I can't imagine how a DJ is going to continue to help that. Philip, do you know the rules there? Cause like in the NBA, when there's a stoppage, or I guess when there's continued play, they can do the little defense chant or, you know, the announcer will start talking. You mm. always see that a lot in college basketball, so I'm going to guess that's against the rules. Yeah, I'm not sure. That's one of those NCAA rules that's above officiating, <laughs> I think, so I'm not 100% sure on that. Come it's, on, ref. It, I know, I know. My one area of expertise, and I blew it. To be fair, I was a better football than basketball official, so uh, that's going to be my argument. Um, I think it's kind of cool. It's going to help with the atmosphere, but – it, I'm kind of at the point now, and I'm not going to go on a long rant, where it's like, I feel like we're putting all this money into stuff like that, and I know the university can't have really a hand in NIL, but like, the chair back seats, like, it's cool, but, you know, I was talking to somebody about this the other day, it may have been Joe, I can't remember, mm. and it was like, I've never cared about what the seating is like when it I go us. to a game. Yep. Yeah. Was, yeah. I, I just want to see my team win. Like I went to Cameron the other night. The seats are hard and they are wooden and they are small. They're terrible. They're horrible. But the team has five championship banners. Like I think we're putting way too much money and thought into like dumb stuff that like makes the game day experience better. You know what makes the game day experience better? Like a win. Like millions of dollars hey, in NIL. So that's my rant. I'm for gonna the day. disagree with you hard right here because right. I have attended Minji's Coliseum since I was a kid. It is the most uncomfortable place to watch a game. Those seats, even as a kid, were tiny. So, like, I, look, I get it what you're saying. If the team and the product is good, you're going to go regardless. But let's be real. ECU basketball, the product has sucked for how long? So you got to give people a reason to go. I And they only spent a million dollars on the upgrade, so I think it's fair. The only lighting has always been terrible in there. Only a million, you know, which – we could use a million for NIL, but yeah, or an indoor. That's two hundred fifty thousand dollars for four athletes. That's four of your five starters right there. Or an indoor. I mean, yeah. I, I agree. We could use it for an indoor as well. We could also use an indoor that doesn't cost twenty five million dollars. I mean, but uh, that's a story for another that's, day. That's above our pay grade. Uh, Here's the I, thing, though: if I'm a quarterback <laughs> and I'm being offered five hundred thousand dollars to go to school, I don't care if they have an indoor practice facility. Because if one school's going to offer me five hundred yeah. grand, somebody else is going to offer me two hundred grand. They have an indoor facility. I'm not going to care. Give me the extra three hundred grand. It's all, it's all about the NIL now for acquiring talent. Which yeah, even Mike agency. Houston said at his press conference, you got to put NIL. He basically said it starts with NIL, which means hey, give the NIL. So 
that's a whole other conversation. We are going to have Doug Gomes on next week, Team Boneyard, to really talk about the need to raise money because the transfer portal starts in December, and if you don't have money by late November, you can't really plan to acquire talent. And we're also going to have a Q&A with Lance Clark. He's a, a member of the Clark family. He was give, giving a lot of money to ECU Athletics. We're going to have that Q&A up on Hoist of Colors next week, just presenting the need to give to NIL. So – Somehow we transitioned there from <laughs> chairbacks and DJs. Sorry about that. That's on me. Boneyard. <laughs> team Boneyard, baby. Give to Team Boneyard. We'll talk about that more next week. All right, we got to get a break in. We got to make our picks, and we'll come back. We'll continue fighting over what upgrades are needed inside Minji's Coliseum, and uh, we'll continue that on the other side as well. This is Hoist the Colors on a Friday. We'll be right back. The Pirates play here. Arr! This is Hoist the Colors Radio with Stephen Igo. Hey! Four three, the game. Welcome back in. It is a football Friday edition of Hoist the Colors. And we are having a fun discussion. We were having a fun discussion, I should say, on basketball. I wanted to add, by the way, Minji's Coliseum will be going cashless this season as well to speed up transactions. Of course, that was another uh, decision that was made for football that will now carry into basketball. So if you're going to the games... Bring your credit card uh, and be used to cashless transactions. I know some people are not a fan of that, but, hey, it speeds up concessions, and that's always a big complaint. Also, if you can afford it, definitely send the purple seats just to spite Philip. All right, uh, we are, we're back here. Let's transition to our football picks uh, before we get off on another tangent. So, guys – I'm above 500, not to toot my own horn, but I'm definitely going to take this advantage, uh, take advantage of this moment to do so because it will probably be the only time I'm over 500 all year. I'm 44, 42, and 5. I went 6, 3, and 1 last week against the spread. Phillip is leading the way. He is 47, 39, and 5. And then Joe Sampson. What's happening, Joe? 37, 49, and 5. He, is, uh, he, was, he was crushing NFL picks. Unfortunately, the last two weeks, Joe, you are combined 1, 8, and 1 against the spread. Yeah. Any thoughts? Well, my thoughts are a lot of teams deciding to cover that were in no way looking at an actual cover, looking like riding high, sitting pretty, and all of a sudden you go on a two-minute drive and you score seven, and the line was six and a half. So to those teams, I hate you. Good teams win, great teams cover, but I understand. Uh, I think it's just been distracted, you know, just trying to get myself emotionally into the headspace I need to because the New York Jets, once again, are the talking point. And I've just been so enamored and so focused on what the New York Jets are going to do in picking that game that everything else is kind of taking a back seat. And I also wasn't expecting Kenny Pickett's ribs to explode against the Jaguars or for George Pickens to drop every single football thrown his way or that Deontay Johnson wouldn't have a single touchdown at this point, but now he does after last night. So, you know, that, that was its own problems, I bet, on the Steelers. That's that's my own mistake. Brock Purdy looks like a farmer again, and I mean that because he was actually on a tractor this morning during his bye week. There's there's just so many players. The Bengals decided to play football again. The Bills woke up. I mean, this is just one of those things where the team got hot and I was not. Um, Where's your outfit? You did not change your wardrobe. Oh, I didn't know we were doing NFL picks yet. I thought we were doing college first. Oh, we are. We are. We are. Okay. I was yeah, making yeah, sure yeah. you had your – No, no, no. Okay. 
Don't so, worry. It's another week. Just, Philip tried to say it wasn't coming. I'm it's just coming. In, I'm impressed by both the level and thought put behind the excuses for you and Philip. Philip for not being able to move the camera into uh, the producer room and also you with your NFL pick. So props to you guys. Y'all 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 have the excuses and I'm proud of y'all for that. Thanks. Appreciate it. I want to make you proud. All right, let's get in Let's get into these college picks, guys. Uh, pretty fun week of football. You know, not the best, but not the worst. We will start with Missouri at Georgia, and I know everybody's thinking, why are we picking this game? Well, somehow if Missouri could pull this off, actually be in the driver's seat to potentially make the SEC championship game because they would have the head-to-head over Georgia in SEC play. But they are a 15-and-a-half-point dog going to Georgia. And every game we've picked for Georgia this year has been right around this number, like 14 to 16, and we've all been kind of back and forth on it. And I've, I've been on Georgia's side more than more times than not. Early on, I was burnt. Lately, I've been hitting on the big spreads in favor of Georgia, and I think I'm going to go back to the well here again. I think I'm going to roll with the dogs. I think they win by 17. You know, give me like a, I don't know, 31-10 final. Or so, and I think they cover. Joe, what do you think? I'm going to do something stupid. I'm taking Missouri. I, I really do like what they've done this year. I think Georgia's looking past it. I don't think Georgia's putting any weight into it. Obviously, Florida, they got up for it. It's a huge rivalry game. It's one of those ones they circle, but they don't care about Missouri. They, they're like, okay, Missouri's coming up, but when when do we get into the grind? When do we get to this team? When do we get to that team? When do we play Tennessee? Like They're, they're waiting. They're eating at it, and I don't think Missouri's even on their radar. So I like the Tigers, I like Theo Weiss, and I definitely like their head coach. This could be a look-ahead situation, Phillip, because they do play Missouri, then they got they got Ole Miss coming to town, and then at Tennessee the next mm-hmm. two weeks. So do you buy into Joe's philosophy, or are you going to go with the dogs? I do not. I think the media's been hyping this game up enough that Georgia knows that they could lose this game if they slip up. I think it's a big opportunity for Missouri, and I think that big opportunity goes to their head. Give me the dogs. By the way, if you want to be the most annoyed listener to a radio play-by-play voice, listen to the Georgia broadcast. It is insufferable <laughs> how often they say dogs, dogs, dogs. I mean, it's just it is, I can't handle it. Um, just want to throw that out there. Uh, all right. Final bedlam. On the schedule for the future as Oklahoma gets ready to go to the SEC. I am torn so much on this game, guys. Oklahoma is a six-point favorite going to Oklahoma State. I'm not a believer in all in Oklahoma State. They are 6-2. and two. They've been rolling. They've been upsetting teams. Oklahoma's coming off a loss. I am a huge fan of the bounce back. But this game is being played in Stillwater, and we know that – Oklahoma State is going to just be – I mean, it's going to be an insane asylum. They're going to want to do everything to win this game. This is their Super Bowl. I don't know where to go. Um, so, I'm going to th- – let's start with Phillip. We're going to go reverse order here. Phillip, what do you think? i got to pull up a stat. I, I know where I'm going with this, but I, but I want my stat. I apologize for not having it ready. I thought I was going last, so. Hey, we got to throw, throw curveballs every I now know, and then. I know. All righty, here we go. If you need to wait, so, we can no, go, Joe. All time, Oklahoma is 91-19 and 19 against Oklahoma State. By Some people say it has to be a, you have to be close in that to be a rivalry. Well, you know what? It's still a rivalry to Oklahoma State, and they are going to send the Sooners 
packing to the SEC. Anson Belt and Buckle Lock of the Week. Week. Give me the Cowboys outright. Wow. 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 Joe. We're in a similar boat because I'd like to ask, uh, of those 19 losses Oklahoma has, how many are in Stillwater? Because it's, it's got to be the majority. Let me do a lot of counting. Yeah. Do, do, while you do that, I'll go on a rant. The Oklahoma Sooners, every single year, we sit here and we talk about the driver's seat. We talk about the playoff. We talk about how they are in control of their own destiny in the Big 12. And then guess what happens, I go? They lose to a Kansas State to a Kansas, to an Iowa State, to somebody at some point nearing November. And that's what we're looking at again. Yeah, they lost to Kansas last week. But I think they're so far in their own heads after that. I don't think Venables is rallying the troops. I think Oklahoma State at 6-2 and two is a much better football team than Kansas is. And I think they handedly take the fight to them and win the last one of the Bedlam Classic. You guys convinced me. Give me Oklahoma. I'm going to fade both of y'all. I think that there's just going to be so much animosity from Oklahoma State towards Oklahoma that it's going to backfire a little bit. And I think I think Oklahoma State will get off to a rocking start in this game, but I just think OU is the better team. They're also coming off a loss, and I expect them to bounce back. I think if they went into this game undefeated, this would 100%, 100% be a loss, but I'm going OU to win by a touchdown. So, hey, uh, right, Joe, just lane. to confirm, because I was counting, you did pick the Cowboys, right? Yes. Okay. And uh, so, like, nine of the wins have been in Stillwater out of the 19. However, they've had, like, four wins in Oklahoma City. So, I guess they've played some, like, neutral site games. They've won, like, three or four times there. So, there's our random So, off, I'm really off of that, that though, the majority though. of them have come at home. Yeah. Well, I mean, 19 wins, nine of them have come at home. But most of them have not come at Norman, at least. Most of them have been neutral site or home. Fair enough. All right, ECU is a 17-point dog against Tulane as we transition from one rivalry to another. Uh, the the NOLA-East Carolina battle, and I'm just going to take y'all, tell you all right now, I'm taking ECU, I'm taking the points. I think the Pirates are going to hang around this game and make it interesting, so give me ECU. Uh, we'll go to Joe. I agree. I take the Pirates' points. I think Tulane's offense is built to long, sustained drives. At this point, this isn't the explosive team we've seen from last year where they four or five plays and they're going for a 45-yard pass down the field. And we heard Harold talk about they do, however, lead the conference in passes over 20 yards but not under 20 yards. So it's going to be either shots or run game that eats the clock, which is why I don't think they score a ton of points. I think ECU can get them in some situations to hold them to a field goal. And I think the Pirates score a couple times to make it close and interesting. So I take ECU with the points. Yeah, ECU's offense found something last week. Um, Still not great, but it's serviceable, kind of like what Joe said. Uh, Not that they can't score explosively. They do. They are high up in the country in that. But uh, ECU's run defense, I think, allows them to get some three and outs just because they really rely on getting ahead of the sticks early in drives. I think we stop them, put them behind the sticks. Yeah, Michael Pratt has the ability to convert some long third downs, and he will, but uh, it, it allows the game to stay close. I got the Pirates to cover. All right, so bet on Tulane. Uh, we're all, yeah, we're all on ECU. That is extremely scary, and uh, we should probably reverse our picks now. But we're going to go with ECU. Washington is a three-point favorite at USC. I'm going to tell you all right now. This is my Anson Belton Buckle Lock of the Week. Lincoln Riley and the Trojans are going to not only beat Washington; they're going to put it on them. 
There have been a lot of heat going to USC. Caleb Williams has yet to play like Caleb Williams lately. Washington has been vulnerable lately. They're about to play a gauntlet of a schedule. This is where their magical season comes crashing down. Give me USC outright. Lock of the week. Answer belt and buckle. Joe. Well, that makes two of us because my Anson Belt buckle lock of the week is Michael Penix and the Washington Huskies. I think USC is pretenders. Lincoln Riley is the only man that was built for Greenville. He left. He left. I understand why he left, but he left. So, as we look at it right now, USC cannot win a tight football game, and if they don't score first, they get smoked. Look at Notre Dame. Look at what happened against Arizona State. I mean, they got punched in the mouth. And then they came back and found a way to win. But this isn't one of those teams they can find a way to win against. This is Washington. This is the actual Pac-12 type of team you need to see. Offense, 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 one key stop. And that's what it's going to be. It's going to be like a 48-45 shootout. But the Huskies will stop them at the right point or turn a turnover into something big. Give me the Huskies. Anson Belton buckle lock of the week. Dueling locks of the week. Wow, this That's is a first. Be, this Never is almost as good as Broncos Jets. Yeah. Um, uh, Phil, Phil, what do you think? Be the tiebreaker here. Well, considering y'all's records and the fact that I goes on my butt, I should probably cite with I go. However, USC has given me no reason to pick them. I thought they were a college football championship contender. They have not played like that. They've lost games they shouldn't have lost. Um, yeah, UW's been a little vulnerable, but they find ways to squeak it out. Give me the Huskies. I by agree. the way, Anson Belt Buckle Lock of the Week uh, is is presented, obviously, by Anson Belt and Buckle. Are you game day ready? Visit AnsonBelt.com backslash ECU and check out their great collection of holist belts, including ECU officially licensed Buckle, An- Anson Belt, and Buckle, the official belts of ECU athletics. All right, let's get our final college pick before break. LSU is at Alabama. Alabama is a three-point favorite. LSU has been a trendy upset pick this week. I'm going to tell you all right now, I'm going Bama all the way, not even going to overthink it. They seem to have figured it out, so give me Bama at home. Joe? I agree the same way the tide would roll. If I could buy four more points and have Alabama minus seven, I would. The tide roll, it's not close. He's got that game from last year spinning all week in the facility. He will not get beat by Brian Kelly again or his family. Give me the tide. Phil, take us home. Roll tide. Dog. Darn it. Make it three in a row, which means they're going to lose. For entertainment purposes only, all right. put your money on the Tigers. <clears throat> so we are all on, on ECU, and then the other games, uh, Joe has Missouri. We Philip and I have Georgia. And then Philip and Joe are on Oklahoma State. I'm on Oklahoma. And then, of course, SC, lock of the week. Somehow – Joe's lock of the week is UW, and then Philip has taken UW as well. So it should be a fun week as far as the Sandys. Let's get a break in. We'll come back. We'll pick NFL on the other side. This is Hoist the Colors on a, th- on a Friday. We're live with Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Hoist the Johnny Roger! Now, back to Hoist the Colors. All right. Welcome back in. Trying to eat lunch in the middle of the show, so trying to make that happen. All right. Friday, November 3rd, edition of Hoist the Colors. Stephen Igo here, Joe Sampson back in the studio. Philip Pilkington also in the studio. We just made our college picks. We've got dueling locks of the week for the first time, Anson Belt and Buckle. And uh, I'm on USC. Joe is on UW. Let's get to our NFL picks. Guys, we had a great one as Joe is back in his gear. He's back in his 
Great. I tell you what, it is, it is a great look, Joe. Thank um, you. And the Jets are in the playoff push, and they will play Monday Night Football. So we will get to that pick here for our radio audience. He's wearing the bucket hat, the shades, and a Jets pullover. How much did that Jets pullover cost? It looks pretty, uh, pretty nice. eBay. eBay. All right. So that that means cheaper than it would regularly. There you go. All right. Dolphins Chiefs guys Chiefs are a one and a half point favorite this is the 9.30 a.m. game some people have complained about it being early I love the fact that it's early I'm up early due to the kids I need something to watch and why not watch the best NFL game of the week Dolphins Chiefs in Germany the Chiefs again one and a half point favorite Uh, Kansas City coming off a loss to my Denver Broncos the best team in the NFL currently and uh, all right offseason champs the I feel like – listen, you guys know I'm a bounce-back guy. I think Chiefs win here. I think it's going to be a spectacular game, but I'm going to go KC, bounce-back, they win. Give me uh, KC to cover the one-and-a-half, Joe. I agree with the Kansas City, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Because I've bet on the Miami Dolphins before, and they burned me. They burned me bad. I bet on the Chiefs last week in what turned out to be the Broncos' Super Bowl and with 16 inches of snow and – Patrick Mahomes playing with the flu. So I'm not counting that as an actual showing of the Chiefs. That is a fluke. I'm going to take the Chiefs as well. I think especially the game being overseas is going to add to Mike McDaniel's plate of trying to manage things. He is a first-time head coach as far as this is his first run of a contract. Andy Reid's experience has done this quite a while. So I give the advantage and the edge to the older and more experienced team. Give me the Chiefs. Always making excuses. Of course, Patrick Mahomes had the flu. That's why he didn't play well. Uh, not that the Broncos just own him. Jaquan McMillan, by the way. He was literally uh, on injury report with an illness. Whatever, man. Yeah, we saw BS. how Jordan played when he had the flu. Hey, man. And we saw how I performed last week on the show with That's whatever sad. the hell I had. So. Yeah, we're going to talk about the real you, you just Bad. fight through it. Yeah, so... Yeah. Um, these one games are always so hard to pick. You never know who is going to travel the best, but uh, I do not see the Chiefs losing two in a row, even though Mike McDaniel is taller in person. Just ask him. Um, he's not tall enough to beat Andy Reid this week. Give me the Chiefs. And again, Miami at home is a different animal than Miami on the road, and Miami in Germany feels like it could be a little weird. So uh, I'm going Casey. All right, Colts at Panthers. The Panthers are looking for two in a row, guys. They are a two-and-a-half-point dog to Indianapolis. Don't really, don't really know what to make of the Colts at this point. I guess Gardner Minshew is still the starter. He's better as a backup. Um, Panthers, two-and-a-half-point dogs. Let's start with Phillip here. We'll go reverse order because I'm still trying to figure out my pick. Phil. It's a little horse that's – barely been born and a panther come on the panther's gonna maul that little horse panther's still gonna be a five six win team this year in order to be that they've got to win this week despite being banged up they do give me the panthers we're rolling baby two in a row joe i've got three words for you well four if we have to add an article miles sanders is bum he's a bum if you want to add an article we can go is a bum that's five But Miles Sanders is not the running back that the Panthers need. And the way that Indianapolis' defense holds up against the run and is able to limit what they can do on the outside, Thielen won't get open, and Bryce Young can't throw from his back. Give me the Colts. 
Shuba Hubbard will yeah, I think be plenty fine. I, I would worried. also love for Hubbard to get many, many fantasy points. There you go, and he will. I, I think Shuba Hubbard is probably about as average a running back as you can find. I think the Panthers barely beat a bad team last week, and I think that the Colts are not a great team, but they're better than the Panthers. So, I mean, two in a row. Give me Indianapolis here uh, and covering the two and a half. Cowboys at Eagles. The Eagles are a three-point favorites. This line is uh, a little too close for me. I'm going to say Eagles all the way. I think that they'll be up for this game. They'll play Eagles football. The Cowboys have been exposed at times this year against really good teams. But give me the Eagles, Joe. Kelly Green and Gotham Green are one and the same. After beating the Eagles, I will support them for the rest of the year. Fly, Eagles, fly. I despise Dallas. I think Mike McCarthy's a pretender when it comes to game management, and I think Nick Sirianni's the real deal with that offense. I take sexy Batman, skinny Batman, and all the other Batman known as the Eagles offense, and I take the Eagles. Yeah, the Eagles are just not going to lose this game at home. I I don't see it happening. Dallas is a above-average football team, but the Eagles are arguably 1-53, to the best team in the league. The only other team I would really listen to an argument about is San Francisco. But unlike San Francisco, they have a consistent quarterback, man. They're the team to beat right now. Uh, give me the Eagles. The Sunday night game is one of the best on the slate. Bills at Bengals. The Bengals seem to have found something. They're kind of resurging a little bit. They are a two-point favorite at home. This is a really tough game to pick. Buffalo has been a little banged up just signing Limbo Joseph, the former ECU defensive tackle, 14-year veteran. I'm going to go Bills here on the road. I think Buffalo gets it done, and we'll go to Joe next. I think it's the Bengals, and that is not because I'm an AFC East hater. I really do think the Bengals have turned it around. I think their defense has been what we thought it was going to be, but the offense woke up. Jamar Chase calls every single offensive coordinator he's ever had, and he tells them he's open at 3 a.m. like Chad Johnson used to do. I think he continues to do it. I don't think they have an answer for him in the back end. Leonard Fournette's a new addition, but not enough to try and give them an X factor. Give me the Bengals all the way. Yeah, the Bills' defense to me just hasn't looked phenomenal this year. They've had to win a lot of high-scoring games. And yes, their offense can score, but Cincinnati has a better defense. It's at home. Obviously, the Bills do want to get up for this one actually, with what happened last year when these two teams met. But uh, I've got Cincinnati in this one. I mean, they're 4-3. and three. They cannot fall back to 500. They've figured it out. Uh, beat a tough 49ers team was the last week, the week before. And um, I, th- I think they're rolling. They're ready to go. They know they're Super Bowl contenders, but they know to be Super Bowl contenders, you got to win games like this, and they're going to do it. Could be a look-ahead situation for Buffalo as well. they got Denver on Monday Night Football coming up, so that's a much bigger game than this. Well, that um, was just said. Let's Speaking of Monday Night Football, Chargers, the weirdest team in the NFL year in and year out, they are a three-and-a-half-point favorite at the New York Jets and the Jets just keep finding ways to win football games. We'll start with Philip here, then we'll go to me and we'll let Joe take it home with his Homer pick. So let's start with Phil. Enjoy your outfit this week, Joe, because you won't be wearing it next week. Heard that one before. Yep, you have. But uh doubling down this week. Give me the charge. Do we have a weather report for New York on uh, or wherever they play these games on Monday night? Do you, any idea, Joe, what it's supposed to be like? Uh, in East Rutherford, New Jersey, at this time of the year, I can only assume cold and possibly rainy. 
I'm going to go Jets. I think the Chargers are a soft football team, especially on the road. I mean, they don't really have a home field advantage either, but it's, it's East Coast games like this, they seem to really struggle. They have way too much talent to be as bad as they are, but they also have the Chargers mentality. This is what they do. They lose games like this. New York will not play well, but they'll find a way to win because that's what they do. And so give me the Jets at the least. I think they cover three and a half. And so I'm going Jets here. And I'm sure Joe is as well, but let's hear it. Hey, real quick, though, high of 62, low of 43, so it won't be too cold. Probably in the 50s. Yeah, game. not liking that. Good people of Los Angeles and New York, hear me now. Justin Herbert is going to look like Jimmy Clausen on Monday night. And I'm sorry, Philip, that's a stray bullet, but he's going to look like ghosts are chasing him. He is not ready for this kind of defense. We have seen the games that the Chargers have been in, and they're always high scoring, and that's because they haven't faced elite competition like this. Khalil Mack can get five sacks on Zach Wilson. That's fine. Who's covering Garrett Wilson? I don't know who's going to cover Garrett Wilson, but there's another X factor who's sitting in the backfield, healthy, ready to go, waiting in the wings. Brees Hall is going to run all over Brandon Staley's weak, weak Los Angeles Chargers defensive front. I don't know how many times I can get this game going because, as Philip said, if your team, this is the games you win to be a legitimate Super Bowl contender. These are the games people circle. It's only a three-point swing. It's only one of those things. They're picking the Chargers by like 46% to what the 34% would be for the or the Jets. And then they're having this little sliver right here where it's like could go either way. Double down. Take all of your money. Take out a mortgage on the home. Tell your wife and kids, hey, we might live in a box, but Garrett Wilson's going to get us out. The Jets by seven. There he is. Joe Sampson, spoken like the only New York Jets fan in Eastern North Carolina because he is the only New York Jets fan in Eastern North Carolina, but he does it the best. Great job, man. Almost as good as your weather reports, but uh, hey. I think pretty solid nonetheless. Thanks. All right, let's get our final break in. We'll come back. We'll wrap up the show. We'll have final thoughts. ECU Tulane after this. This is ECU head football coach Mike Houston, and you're listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. Welcome back in Friday, Football Friday edition of the show. we got about a minute and a half left. Craig Littlefield on YouTube, he wants some hope. Joe, let's give it to him. He says, isn't Tulane's defense playing better than UTSA's defense? I just don't see how we're going to put up points, but please give me some hope. Joe, give Craig some hope. Craig, Tulane plays a lot of man coverage, and when you do that, you're susceptible to getting beat, and you can't always have the quarterback in your back pocket like they'd want to do and spy the now mobile Alex Flynn and run. But I go, I got to cut you off here because, Philip, this is our holiday. Sunday, Phoenix Raceway. Let's go, baby. Championship race. championship. I go, I know you're not fired up for this, but we got to get going here. Blaney, Bell, Byron, Larson. Who you got, Phillip? Uh, I feel confident in my boy Byron, but I don't want to jinx him by picking him. He's got six wins this year. I feel confident, but uh, I'm leaning Larson. I, I, I'm leaning Larson also. I think he's just way better, especially in a mile-ish track like they are. I mean, it's true oval. It's not a dirt course. It's not one of those with crazy banks. So I think Larson winds up pulling away. The only thing that could kind of lean him out of it is if they have an overtime because Bell has been shown to kind of hold the lead. No, baby. Late race late. restarts have been Byron all year. By the way, I wish our radio audience could see Igo's face right now. He is not <laughs> happy about this conversation. <laughs> 
Alright, there you go. There's the your only, other part the only of name I recognize it. Champion. Is Blaney. That's because of his dad. The high days of Washington. Yeah. <laughs> so take Blaney. Alright, we gotta get out of here. NASCAR talk this all next been week. Been this has been Hoist the Colors. Host, Steven Igo. Tune in weekdays at noon for all things ECU sports. Get a recap of the show at 943thegame.com on Twitter, Facebook, or anywhere you get your podcasts. We're back Monday with more of Hoist the Colors on 943 The Game. This is Hank Hinton, and I want to tell you about my.